0: Good evening. We're coming off the bloodiest year in the history of New York. Even as the governor spoke, the there madness
1: continued in the treat- Our criminal justice violence, system theory. is probably at its weakest point it's ever been.
0: New York City, in the early 1990s, was one of the most dangerous places in the world. Each year, there were over 2,000 homicides and over 225,000 violent crimes committed in the Big Apple. It was the wild, wild west. However, there was one particular case that captured the city's imagination and dominated the headlines. And no, it wasn't a homicide or a rape or a robbery. It was the bizarre case of Marla Maples, later Marla Trump, and her former publicist, Chuck Jones, a man who would become known in New York City lore as the shoe bandit. Who exactly is Chuck Jones? Yeah, before I became obsessed, let's not say obsessed, let's just say fascinated by this story. I had no idea either. Well, you're about to find out. So sit back and relax because we're about to go on a wild ride together. I'm your host, Trisha LaFoch, and this is Healed, the curious case of Marla Trump's shoes. On July 15, 1992, Chuck Jones, 49, was arrested for burglary and other related charges. At the time, police alleged that Mr. Jones stole over 30 pairs of high-heeled shoes from Donald Trump's former secret mistress, Marla Maples, from her apartment at Trump Park in New York City. What followed was one of the most bizarre cases in New York City history, a case that, believe it or not, was investigated prosecuted, and tried in a New York City courtroom. Before we jump into this outrageous true crime story that kept Donald Trump, Marla Maples, and her publicist Chuck Jones in the headlines of the New York City newspapers from the years 1992 to 1994, when no one else was really talking about Donald Trump for any other reason, let me tell you a little bit about who I am. I was born and raised in upstate New York, about three and a half hours from Manhattan. I'm Italian-American, which basically means growing up, my house always smelled like meatballs and bleach. I grew up in the performing arts, dreamed of pursuing a career in the arts, but my father pressured me to follow his footsteps and become a criminal defense attorney. So I accepted an offer to attend Brooklyn Law School in order to maintain my father's love, as you do and still try for a career in television and film in New York City. Turns out, many years later, now living in Los Angeles, I'm still doing both. Yep, in addition to being a writer, director, and actor, I'm a federal criminal defense attorney. I've tried terrorism cases, handled a death penalty case. I can explain to you what RICO is. In short, I've dealt with pretty much every type of case the federal system prosecutes. I've also appeared on all of the Law and Orders, not as an attorney, but I played an attorney on two other network television shows, both times as a prosecuting attorney, not a defense attorney, but hey, nobody's perfect. So, how did we get here? How did we get to the story of Chuck Jones, the 90s shoe bandit? Well, it all starts with our president, Donald J. Trump, and his second wife, Marla Maples Trump.
1: I mean, my life was so great in so many ways. The business was so great. And the, the um, I mean, even the concept. I mean, a beautiful girlfriend, beautiful wife, beautiful everything. I mean, you life like was it. just a bowl of cherries.
0: Listen, regardless of what you think about Donald Trump, I think most of us can agree that we are dealing with a severe case of Trump fatigue. As a person who spent much of her life just generally avoiding Donald Trump, I found myself thinking about a time when goofy headlines about Donald Trump didn't revolve around something that was a word that I really hate using, but literally a matter of life and death. Simpler times. When Trump news... It was fun. It was entertainment. Growing up in New York, that's what Trump news was. Whether you loved him or you hated him, whether you wanted to be him or you just thought he was a freaking clown. And the most entertaining headline I remember was when Trump appeared on the cover of the New York Post. And, and the story was that Marla Maples had boasted to her friends about Trump that he was the best sex I ever had. For many years, this was considered one of the greatest tabloid headlines of all time. And this kickstarted my journey into the curious case of Chuck Jones, of Marla Maples and the Donald. So, who was Marla Maples? The woman on the giving end of this outrageous boast.
1: She told us it wasn't always easy. Sometimes the doors in the Big Apple slammed shut. I'm learning
0: to be more patient with it and just make each day count. Uh, use it, each opportunity that you find can be so instrumental in your future. So on a day-to-day basis, you know, it's important that you you train, you work hard, you get around, you see your agents, you see casting directors, you stay in their minds so that when a project comes up that you are right for, they're going to think of you. They're going to say, oh, Marlon Maples, yeah, I'm going to be here for that. Maples basically fell off a turnip truck onto New York City, met Chuck Jones, who became not only her publicist, but one of her closest confidants and that relationship remained intact for many years before the shoe escapades that are the subject of this podcast born in kahuta georgia marla maples was dubbed by the media as the georgia peach she's blonde beautiful a former beauty pageant queen runner up to miss georgia in 1984 winner of miss hawaiian tropic in 1985 a model turned wannabe actress. In 1986, one year before meeting Donald Trump, she appeared in the film Maximum Overdrive, a Stephen King horror flick in which her character met her demise when she was crushed to death by a load of watermelons. In stark contrast, Chuck Jones, an ex-Marine, looks much like Kevin Spacey in the usual Suspects days, but with a five-finger forehead. He's the former East Coast head of publicity for Embassy Pictures. Chuck, at this time, is a prominent New York City publicist. His clients include world-famous jazz musician Lionel Hampton and pop star LaToya Jackson. Or admittedly, not Janet, but, you know, LaToya. Chuck is living in a $1 million home with his wife, Lynn, and his two young daughters in Greenwich, Connecticut. Apparently, the walls of his office were lined with pictures signed by movie stars, including people like Jack Lemmon and Morgan Fairchild. The guy had it all. So, how did this happen? How did Chuck Jones allow his career, his family, and his life to completely fall apart over this obsession with Marla Maples' shoes? It was Chuck Jones who introduced Marla to Donald in 1987. By 1988, rumors of Donald and Marla's affair ran rampant. In July of 88, the New York Post ran a blind item reporting that a certain shapely blonde had been seeing one of New York's biggest tycoons, a married man, and that the said shapely blonde supposedly goes around to all the stores in Trump Tower saying, charge it to Donald. Well, that's not so blind of an item, after all. But Chuck, as Marla's friend and publicist, works overtime to keep Marla's private life private and to keep the Trump-Marla affair out of the papers. He's in constant communication with journalists, including New York Post reporter Richard Johnson, who was threatening to blow the whole story wide open. We have Marla's friend, Chuck Jones, functioning as her publicist and her talent agent, getting her acting jobs here and there. By all accounts, Chuck Jones was devoted to Marla. After he helped get her cast in The Will Rogers Follies on Broadway, he would watch from the wings and brag of Marla, she'll have the same effect on audiences as Marilyn Monroe.
1: I just love finding new places to wear diamonds.
0: Now, when Chuck introduces Trump to Marla in 1987, sparks flew and they began seeing each other secretly. I say secretly because Trump was still very married to his first wife, Ivana. Ivana was, in many ways, Trump's business partner. She held major roles at the company, including vice president of interior design, overseeing every gaudy fixture placed in the renovation of the Hyatt Hotel, of the Taj Mahal Casino Resort in Atlantic City and in Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue. Towards the end of their marriage, Donald appointed her the head of Trump Castle Hotel and Casino. I built up the Commodore Hotel,
1: Grand Hyde Hotel on 42nd Street. I built up the
0: Trump Tower. I ran the
1: casinos, three casinos in Atlantic City. I was flying for eight years every morning on the
0: helicopter, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning to Atlantic City partially to keep her out of the city and in Jersey most of the time, but also because Ivana was a very good businesswoman. She was responsible for a lot of the early success of the Trump organization.
1: Well, you know, if you go into work and if you have 4,500 employees and the vice president, you cannot be a little pussycat.
0: She's also the mother of the Trump children you actually know about. Donald and Marla saw each other in secret for about two years. How did that work out? Well, can also be attributed partially to Chuck. See, Chuck was buddies with a guy named Tom Fitzsimmons, a former NYPD officer and wannabe actor-producer. Now, Fitzsimmons, remember that name. Or don't, because I'll remind you. But Marla and Fitzsimmons actually dated for a time pre-Marla and Trump. However, they broke up, remained besties, and Trump and Chuck Jones arranged for Fitzsimmons to act as Marla and Trump's Beard in public. This was done so Marla could attend public events where Ivana was also present, but created the appearance that Marla was attending as Fitzsimmons' date. Here's where this gets a little personal for me. It's quite Possible that some of my interest in Marla Maples, Donald Trump, Chuck Jones, and the case of Marla's missing shoes stems from the fact that the trajectory of the Marla-Trump relationship in some very coincidental and quite candidly traumatizing ways parallels the end of my own parents' relationship. Like I said, when Donald and Marla got together, he was still married to Ivana, What really attracted me to Donald was, uh, to answer your question, was his energy, the look and the brain. And Donald and Marla were involved in a highly publicized affair. By now, rumors of Donald's
1: affair with Marla Maples were appearing in the tabloids. The drama started when Donald began cheating on
0: his wife Ivana Trump with aspiring actress Marla Maples. After an ugly public... fall It's 1989 when Donald Trump was still married to Ivana. He goes on a ski trip with his entire family, including Ivana, to Aspen. Marla was also secretly, not so secretly, in Aspen. And she infamously confronted Ivana on the slopes. Like she skied on right up to her and said, I love Donald. Do you? That very same year, 1989, my father's much younger mistress gave birth to his son. While he was still living in our home, and prior to my mother, sister, and I learning about the child, his mistress marched up to the front door of our family home bearing religious pamphlets, telling my mother that my father was in love with her, was leaving her, and the pamphlets would help her get through. It wasn't until months later that my mother would find out about my father's bastard child and throw my father out. On December 30th, 1989, the same day as the Ivana Marla run-in in Aspen. So, do I feel an odd affinity towards Ivana? Absolutely. Do I feel bad for Marla? Not at all. But let's get back to the best sex ever. I pull it up, and it's hilarious, okay? It is a full picture of Trump's face on the cover of the New York Post. Almost boyish, hair-brushed, eyebrows akimbo with this cat-eat-shit grin on his face. Nothing close to the scowl that we've all become used to seeing. His expression marks pretty clearly, yup, that's me, folks. Best sex ever, you heard? Now, This is 1990, when most men in Trump's position, while I'm sure they secretly fantasized about being called the best sex ever on the cover of a major newspaper tabloid, they didn't discuss their sexual prowess publicly because they wanted to be taken seriously.
1: She made front page news when she was quoted as telling a friend that having sex with Donald was quote, best sex I've ever had. In 1991, Donald Trump spoke to Bill O'Reilly, then the the host of Inside Edition. Um, Is it too hot, do you think? It's hot. It's pretty hot. Is it too hot? I don't know. Can a relationship ever get too hot?
0: But then again... That's
1: Trump. He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee. Look at these hands. These are the hands that hit a golf ball 285. No, I only made a joke about my hands. I have very powerful hands. <laughs> yeah, You went a little further than look that. Look at these hands. Aren't they beautiful? I have very powerful hands and large hands, relatively large hands.
0: By this point? I am locked into a Marla Donald Google Krieg, and I stumble upon an article referencing Chuck Jones in the most crazy way possible. The headline? Marla Tells DA Tale of Toe. Well, I mean, I like a pun just as much as the next guy, probably more, having grown up on Sex in the City. I'm a Carrie. But I keep looking and I find one more. Marla's ex soulmate, indicted.
1: I called her Imelda Marcus. I said, nobody can use this many shoes. And she's not a clothes hog, you know, it's very interesting. But I got very angry at her a number of times. I said, how could you be using all these shoes? And she said, somebody's stealing my shoes.
0: Shoe, who, what? In these very brief articles, I learned what I've already told you. In the 90s, there was some case involving Donald Trump, Marlon Maples, and a guy named Chuck Jones and some stolen shoes. And look, the internet is a crazy place, right? But what drew me in, what started to drive me bonkers, was the more I dug around about this case, the less I found. Here's the problem. There is a very famous guy named Chuck Jones, but he's not our guy. Uh, what's up, Doc? That Chuck Jones is the famous Bugs Bunny animator. And as far as I can tell, that Chuck Jones didn't have a freaky-deaky obsession with spiked heels. But almost every article I pull up on Chuck Jones is on this guy, who seems like he's a very lovely man, but he is not my guy. And there is a real dearth of information on this shoe bandit. It seems like the event has been scrubbed clean off the internet. Well, who would do that? And why? Why? I didn't have the answers to those questions, but I knew I needed more. So, I reached out to my friend, Lucas Groneman. Lucas is a writer and researcher I met at another job. A New York kid trying to cut it in Hollywood. Sound familiar? He'd later join the bandwagon and become a producer on this show. Hey, Luke. How's it going? Hi, Tricia. Hold on just one sec. Why are we whispering?
1: I'm stepping outside.
0: I'm at the library. (laughs) The What?
1: I'm at the New York Public Library.
0: That's amazing, why?
1: To get you those newspaper articles. So I was able to find the New York Daily News online, no problem, they have like a great archive system. Very cool. But yeah, the New York Post has been, uh, it's been a challenge. Uh, For some reason, their like online archives only go back to 1999, which is crazy. Um, So I slept down to the New York Public Library today And I'm actually looking through some micro feeds right now.
0: What? Like those tiny film canisters you put on reels that pushed all the exposition in 80s thrillers?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I've got some headline gold for you.
0: All right. Let's hear what you got.
1: How does it's time for a healing as Marla IDs pin shoes grab you?
0: Like a girl on crack at Coachella.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Marla details Chuck's. Photo attraction.
0: Oh my God, I'm deceased. Yes! <laughs> and my
1: favorite, Marla's soul man. Please forgive me.
0: And just like that, all is right with the world. I got the articles from Lucas and I dove in headfirst. I was fascinated by this guy who took a match to his whole life over a penchant for pumps. I learned that the case went to trial. What? Why wouldn't this guy have taken a plea? He's a publicist by trade. Isn't this exactly the kind of thing that a publicist would want to make go away as quickly as possible for a client and especially for himself? I was captivated by the psychology of the whole thing. I'm poring over the articles Luke sent and I find an article dated February 8th 1994 from the New York Daily News entitled "She'd Sell Souls for $100." This article described one particularly volatile day at trial when Chuck's defense team called Gloria DePrado, a tag sale entrepreneur and used shoe expert, who examined. Each pair of Marla's shoes with this giant magnifying glass in an effort to support the defense's argument that the whole lot of recovered shoes was worth only about $100. This was a very big deal to the defense and the prosecution because if the jury agreed with De Prado that the value of the stolen shoes was less than $1,000, then the burglary could be treated as a misdemeanor rather than a felony. Now, at the time, a felony burglary conviction carried with it a sentence of up to 15 years in prison, while a misdemeanor conviction carried with it a sentence of up to one year, which could be served in county jail. However, it was the reporter's description of what took place during the cross-examination of none other than Tom Fitzsimmons that really blew my mind. According to the article... Fitzsimmons got into an argument with the state prosecutor from the stand over who had a reputation for being a bigger drinker. An argument that got so heated that the judge threatened to call a mistrial. The fact that this took place wasn't even the most outrageous part of the story. In this article, I learn that I actually know the assistant district attorney who is the subject of the article and who tried the Chuck Jones case. Not only do I know him, he's someone I consider a very good friend. A former assistant district attorney in Manhattan and Westchester counties turned successful television and screenwriter and producer, Kevin J. Hines. I should tell you how I know Kevin, how we became friends. My first semester of my third year of law school, I took a trial advocacy class because you get to perform, like you're in a courtroom, and I knew I could crush. Now, usually I say if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, but I get assigned the Brooklyn district attorney as my professor. For those of you that don't know, every county has only one district attorney. Everyone else is an assistant district attorney. So, halfway through the second day of class, in between direct and cross-examinations, the DA tells me, LaFoch, I want to see you in the hallway. I ship bricks. You're hired, he tells me. I want you to come work for me next year. What? Assistant district attorney? And he just gave me the job? He just gave it to me? But I wanted to be an actor. My father's going to kill me. Well, I needed to book a show immediately. That didn't happen. Nor did I join the district attorney's office, but I did move to Hollywood. I book a guest spot on the short-lived Fox show Rake, playing an attorney. First day, talking to the writer of the episode. I'm nervous, so I don't fully take in his name, but we're talking, and I hear his accent, and I say, are you from Brooklyn? He says, yeah. I say, is your pops Joe Hines? He says, how do you know my father? He hired me. Charles Joe Hines was the Brooklyn D.A. and Kevin's father. I tell him the story, and we've pretty much been each other's connection to Back Home ever since.
2: Wow, this place is nice.
0: Well well, only the best for you, Kevin J. <laughs> Hines. Let me tell you a little more about Kevin. Once he gave up practicing law, he's had a very successful career as a writer. He's written on the TV shows Prime Suspect, Rake, Scorpion, Dirty John, where he also served as co-executive producer, and on HBO's hit show Perry Mason, just to name a few. In addition to that, and aside from being the son of the former Brooklyn district attorney, he's had a very colorful life. He was very close friends with John F. Kennedy Jr. and was on Martha's Vineyard Island the day John's plane went down. He went to John and Carolyn's apartment the day of the tragedy to make sure that no one looted the place. When he was in the Westchester County DA's office, he worked for Janine Pirro and investigated Robert Durst. He even appears on several episodes of HBO's The Jinx. Look for the green mock turtleneck.
2: How's this going to work?
0: Okay, it's super, super easy. Um, It's a lot like a direct examination. I'll ask you a bunch of questions, or you can just... Talk. Tell me the story. All right. All right. Let's start at the very beginning. How in the hell did this schmuck Chuck Jones manage to get himself arrested for this? I, I the article say it was July fifteenth, nineteen ninety
2: two. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it all starts with this lunch, right? I mean, well, before that, Marla Maples, who was Donald Trump's mistress, she believed that her shoes were being stolen. Horrifying. Yeah. I, I can't believe I'm talking about this out loud. But <laughs> all right. Anyway, Trump security suspected this guy Chuck Jones. And they summon him to this lunch at Trump Plaza, right? Okay. Chuck was the, you know, publicist for Marla and Trump. And, you know, they told him, hey, there's a, there's a press conference Trump wants to do. Could you come over here? So, Talk about know, it. Yeah. yeah. So obviously he does, right? He, he arrives at the plaza thinking he's there to work. But instead he finds Marla, her mother, and the two guys who run Trump security. Matthew Calamari. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. And Dominic Pezzo. Now, Colin is this monster, right? He's like 6'5", 280. You know, he's like a defensive lineman type. Okay. And Pezzo's 5'6". Like, he he talks like Joe Pesci. He actually looks a little bit like Joe Pesci. These two geniuses come up with a plan to get Chuck to confess to stealing Marla's shoes. Problem is that, you know, as Marla and Mom suck down oysters from this huge seafood tower, Chuck ain't giving it up. (laughs) In fact, he's proclaiming his innocence. So, after a bunch of hours, Calamari, yeah, that's still his name, like he decides the team needs to go down to Chuck's office to search for the shoes. And Chuck supposedly agrees to go. Now, Chuck will later say at trial that he was kidnapped and that, you know, he was taken against his will. But let's get something straight from the beginning, Trish. Chuck said a lot of shit at trial, and most of it was bullshit. Okay. So, the whole squad traipses down Fifth Avenue, right? On foot, right? So, they're walking down the street on Fifth Avenue from Trump Plaza, which you remember is on 59th Street, and they're going to Chuck's office on Fifth. Okay, so they,
0: they walk down the street. Yeah? All, one, two, three, four, five of them.
2: All together, the, the whole squad. The whole squad. Okay,
0: and what time of day do we think this it's the is? The middle of the day. Broad daylight.
2: Broad daylight.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: So they get to Chuck's office, right, and they go in. And remember, it's like the early 90s, right? And the office looks like it. It's like purple carpet and like mirrored walls, a kitchenette. I mean, it looked more like a cheesy bachelor's apartment more than an office. But there was a desk and file cabinets and office phone, you know, whatever. Calamari and Pezzo ask Chuck for permission to search. Okay. He refuses. Marla asks him. He refuses. Marla begs him. He says no. So they decide to call the cops.
0: The security guys call the cops. Yep. On Chuck. Yep. Because he wouldn't let them search. Yeah. Okay. This doesn't make any sense. Why would they call the cops and why would the cops respond to the scene? Chuck has Fourth Amendment rights over his own office, whether it's cheesy purple carpet or not. If anything, I would think that it would be Chuck to call the cops and say, I don't want them to search. I'm calling the cops on these Trumps. I rescinded my consent. It's over with. Go home.
2: It's a really interesting legal theory, Trish, but that's not the way it happened, right? Instead, two beat cops, Giannetta and Higgins, show up and they talk to Chuck. But Chuck refuses to let them search too. Good for Chuck. Well, so they call their precinct. They speak to the captain. The captain assigns a detective, standard ship. And here comes Detective William Lynch from the Midtown North Precinct.
0: Unbelievable. He,
2: He takes Chuck for a little bit of walk and talk around the block. And when he comes back, Chuck consents to the search.
0: A little walk and talk, huh? Yeah.
2: And here's where it gets fucking crazy, right? Because at this point, everyone starts ripping the place apart, right? Marla, her mom, Calamari, Pezzo, the cops, the whole crew, they're ripping the place apart. They open up this one closet and an avalanche of shoes falls out. And Marla's like, those are my shoes. And Chuck is crying. And the cops are trying to piece this whole thing together. It's a fucking circus.
0: Where were the shoes? The shoes
2: were everywhere. They were in that closet. The shoes were behind the radiator cover. Shoes in desk drawers inside an air conditioning <laughs> vent. I mean, there were shoes everywhere. Ended up being over 30 pairs.
0: No, no, this can't be real. 30 pairs of shoes in a small office?
2: And that's not all they found, Trish. There was there was a safe.
0: They opened his safe?
2: Well, I mean, Chuck's sitting there with his arms crossed, like refusing to have the safe open, but Calamari, right, he finds his key ring and a bunch of keys on it. And he starts using each key in the safe lock. Now picture this huge guy, like with sausage fingers, trying to <laughs> open the safe. With these tiny little keys, while literally there are shoes falling from the ceiling.
0: What, did they finally open the safe?
2: Yeah. And uh, inside, they found a bunch of Mala's underwear, oh. um, a fetish magazine called I think, Spike, <laughs> and, uh, and three handguns.
0: Were the handguns registered?
2: No. And, you know, at that point, they decided they were going to take Chuck downtown, right? I mean, the cops cuff him up and down to the Midtown North Precinct they go.
1: He is known as Marla Maples' publicist, but Chuck Jones may have really walked in her footsteps. For police say with his arrest, they have solved the mystery of Miss Maples' missing shoes, bras, and panties. Dozens of items have been stolen from her closet and drawers, and now Jones is suspected of swiping them. Police found the footwear, along with two guns and a pornographic shoe fetish magazine called Spike, in his midtown Manhattan
0: office. Oh yeah, he's definitely going down. What the hell is a publicist doing with three unregistered firearms? These guys find a year's worth of missing shoes, a wad of panties, a fetish mag named Spike, and three unregistered firearms in Chuck Jones's office, all on this dude Calamari's hunch. Who is this guy? The fucking mentalist? No,
2: nah, I didn't say anything about a hunch. There were no hunches in this case, Trish. There was a video. A video? Yeah. So after Marla complained to Trump like a hundred times that her shoes were being stolen, <laughs> he ordered Trump security Calamari and Pezzo to set up a camera in her apartment to catch the thief. The shoe thief. Yeah, I mean after a couple of days of watching the video and getting nothing, they finally see Chuck. And he comes in the apartment, he's on tape, he comes in the apartment, enters the apartment, turns around, locks the door behind them, looks out the peephole, and then like minutes later he comes back, large trash bag filled with something. He looked like a creepy Santa Claus.
0: He had it like slung over his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys show this tape at trial? Yeah, we did. Oh my god. Okay, so it just doesn't make any sense because if y'all got the video and now you have the shoes, the contraband itself, how in the world do we ever even get to trial? It's an open and shut case.
2: I mean, that's the million dollar question, right? Why did Chuck Jones go to trial? But if he didn't and he took a plea, I guess we wouldn't be here talking about this lunacy, right?
0: But why didn't Trump just make this go away? You know, he's supposed to be this super rich guy. Why doesn't he just fire Chuck and take Marla on a shopping spree?
2: Believe me, Trish, I wish he did. But you know, this case is fucking bizarre. And it's a lot more complicated than just a bunch of shoes.
0: Yeah, I mean, wait, you just said that Chuck's office was searched on consent. That's right. But I know that I read in at least one of these articles that you guys executed search warrants. What was up with that?
2: Yeah, we we did warrants.
0: Where did you guys search?
2: Well, we went back to his office, right? Um, We went to his house in Greenwich, Connecticut.
0: But you already had the shoes and guns. What else could you have been looking for?
2: Well, there were more shoes. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we were looking for other stuff, too. Personal items, photographs, a diary.
0: A diary? You got a judge in Manhattan to authorize a search warrant to go look for photographs and a diary? Were those items listed individually on the warrant?
2: Yeah, of course. You know how this shit works. (laughs)
0: I do know how it works, but I still don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. You searched a guy's house for a diary and some photographs? Come on.
2: Well, I mean, the diary was supposedly filled with some personal stuff, right? So Marla wanted that back. And the photos, I mean...
0: What?
2: Let's just say they were of special interest to Trump and Marla for other reasons.
0: Oh, okay. Now I'm interested. Spill it.
2: Well, allegedly there were these sexy pictures of Marla. Okay. And maybe Trump. Ew and possibly Marla and Trump. What? And a banana. This season unhealed.
0: This guy should have pled out, he's sick, he's got a problem.
2: We offered this guy everything. All he had to do was seek
1: some help. I
0: just kept asking, why did you do this? Why did you do this?
1: It just happens. I don't know why.
0: You guys were setting Chuck up.
2: There's no setup here, Trish. I mean, fucking Trump never called me. He had never had anything to do with this case.
0: What did you do? Everybody's
1: always blaming me for everything.
0: of the money that was spent to prosecute this guy for what?
2: He wanted this trial and he fucking got it. You said to yourself if this jury could see this note, they would know more all mine and
1: I'm What is it about shoes that holds your picture? The wear on it, the imprints inside of it, I, I don't know what the fascination is, but it's there.
0: Why did you ask Tom the question?
2: Listen, I was I was in the moment. I definitely made a mistake. I will admit that I made a mistake. But, but what were
0: you trying to say? That he was a drunk, so he was a liar. Well,
2: he was a drunk, but then he turned it on me and said I was a drunk. I, I saw exactly what the headline was going to be in the post the next day: "Drunk DA." I've never shown anybody Marlon's pornographic video
1: As The jury agreed upon a verdict. Yes, yes, we are. I'll say you with the count one, charging the defendant Charles Jones with the crime of burglary in the second degree.
0: Healed is a Just Kill production produced by Tandis Karami, Luke Groneman, and Tyler Patrick-Jones. It's written by Kevin J. Hines and myself, Trisha LaFoch. The Healed theme music was written by Chad Crouch. Additional shout out to Mike Schaffernack, our editing wizard. Follow us on our Instagram at healed.podcast or check us out on our website healedpodcast.com. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Healed.